0: On today's episode of the Mike and Mike podcast, I preview the Western Conference. We're going to go over every team and really discuss what to expect from them this season and some players to watch for. Stay tuned. Another episode of the Mike and the Mike podcast. We're about a week into the NBA season. But today we're just going to focus solely on the Western Conference. And I'm going to do my best to give my predictions that I had before the season starts. And before really I've seen any basketball. I am a week late on this podcast. And I do apologize for that. Some stuff came up last week. But let's just start off. The Western Conference is... Ten times better than the Eastern Conference is this year. The amount of talent that the Western Conference has is twice that of the Eastern Conference. And I think that the gap between the top and the bottom is still just as big as the Eastern Conference because the Lakers and Suns are so bad. But I really do think that those middle tier teams in the West are could easily be a top four team in the East. So let's start at the bottom, and we're going to work our way up, just like we did with the Eastern Conference with Reed last week. And let's start off with the Phoenix Suns. Um, I mean, really, where can you start? They fired their coach, Earl Watson, after the first three games. They got blown out in the first game by 40-plus points, I believe. And I really I expected a lot more out of the Suns, honestly. I didn't think they'd be competing for a playoff spot. But I thought they'd be in the 11-12 range, middle of the Western Conference. Not great, but really not as bad as they have been in recent years. But this whole Eric Bledsoe thing also really throws a wrench into their play, and it looks like they're going to have to tank again this year. Bledsoe's not requested a trade, but it seems like he won't ever play for the Suns again. And that really leaves the Suns with a limited backcourt. Uh, they have still, you know, Devin Booker's a really good player. They just drafted Josh Jackson, who's more of a wing player. Um, and they have Brandon Knight. But they really don't have much direction. And the, the difficult part with Phoenix is they haven't exactly hit on all their draft picks. It is early, but Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris both don't look like they're going to be star players in the NBA. But Devin Booker really does look like he's going to be a star. And what we've seen from Josh Jackson so far has been positive. He hasn't created much offensively, but he has looked up to the speed that he really needs to beat in order to play the amount he will this season. I think the Suns are really going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference. And the culture there really needs a change. And I don't think that's going to happen with the current general manager and owner, to be honest. Every decision that they've made so far has really – you can question it and really, you know, ask why. So I think so. in order for Phoenix to get better, stuff at the top has to change and work its way down. So Phoenix is going to be really bad this year. And one of the most hyped teams this season is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Lonzo Ball Show. So far in, you know, Lonzo's first game, he went up against Pat Beverly – and he did not look up to speed. He really he looked like a deer in the headlights. And Pat Beverly really just imposed himself onto Lonzo Ball, like he has against really elite point guards like Steph Curry, John Wall, and really players like that. But Lonzo Ball also bounced back. In his three games since then, he's played really well. And tonight they go up against. The Washington Wizards and going up against another really elite point guard in John Wall I will for sure be watching that game tonight because I really I want to see how Lonzo really reacts to all of this pressure being put on him especially by his father and and all these players have said that the pressure on Lonzo is because of his dad but really besides Lonzo Ball and the Kyle Kuzma clan that is forming in LA the only other really good player on the Lakers is Brooke Lopez and besides that, you know Julius Randle isn't that good. Jordan Clarkson's not very good. Uh, Lance Jr. isn't great either. So this team is going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference, and they're not going to be anywhere near a playoff spot. Regardless of what Lavar Ball wants everyone to think, they're really not going to be a very good team. And a team that really has flipped the script is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Last season they finished 13th with 31 wins, 31-51 and record, and they got Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler to add to that roster. So they're now a lot more deep, and they also have Jamal Crawford, who really isn't great, but he's not a horrible player to have on your bench just for those one or two games that he does get hot throughout the season. I really like the Timberwolves. I think it's going to take a while for them to gel. They're still a young team, and one player like Jimmy Butler can't turn around the entire really culture there. It's going to come down to Tibbs and really making these players play defense. And so far this season, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't looked like the defensive presence that he could be. But I really like the potential with this team that maybe not this year, but in seasons in the future, They can really be something to really look at and watch out for, especially with the new Andrew Wiggins contract. That core of Wiggins, Towns, and Butler is going to be in Minnesota for years to come. And they really, I see them as the closest to challenging the Warriors in the future because we'll get to the Thunder and the Rockets a little bit later, but I think they're more built to beat the Warriors now, not later. So next up is the Sacramento Kings. They had a weird offseason. They drafted De'Aaron Fox and Frank Mason, uh, shout out Frank Mason, and they also signed George Hill, which I don't understand, really, he is a good player, and he's an all-star caliber point guard, but why dra- why sign him in free agency when you have two really good point guards that are young, and I, I, I don't understand it. I think that it's a – I guess in some way it's a smart move for, like, this year. But next season and the season after that, you're going to want to hand the reins off to De'Aaron Fox. And yet, George Hill at some point this season will be hurt, and he's going to miss some time, and that's going to be De'Aaron Fox' time to shine. And then Frank Mason also is that backup point guard. I also really don't think that the Kings will be very good this year. I think in years to come, it really looks like they're having a culture change with Jackson from North Carolina, if Harry Giles can get healthy, Frank Mason, De'Aaron Fox, and Scalabissier, and Willie Colley-Stein. That's a really good core of young players, and they just really need that veteran mentorship that they're going to get from Zach Randolph and George Hill for the future. And a team that really doesn't have much veteran leadership at all is the New Orleans Pelicans. They are really in a debacle. They signed Rajon Rondo to add to a really a backcourt that really can't shoot in Rajon Rondo and uh, their other point guard, who actually his name escapes me right now. But the Pelicans are really going to need to do something about Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins because there's really not much that they – can do. They're really in a pickle because I I get the feeling that Anthony Davis is going to leave and go for greener pasture somewhere else, and so will DeMarcus Cousins. So they need to trade either one of them, and I think they're going to get a bigger return from trading for trading Anthony Davis. A young player that I like in New Orleans is the Kansas center Chuck Diallo. He played a little bit last year. But he's got a lot of room for improvement, and I think that he could be a solid role player and really get an energy guy off the bench in the future NBA. But he's not going to be the solution for the Pelicans. And they really, besides Davis, Rondo, and Cousins, they really don't have many household names that are really going to draw fans in and get the team money. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next five to ten years the Pelicans move. Because New Orleans, as great of, of a football town as it is, they really aren't a basketball town, and they're really going to need to move. Hopefully, I really hope to Seattle. I'd love to see Seattle get a team. I think that having such a large city in, in Seattle not having an NBA team is really kind of ludicrous. And the amount of f- it really was a basketball city before the Seahawks got good, and they love the Supersonics. And to have a team go back there would be really awesome to see. As for the Dallas Mavericks, Dennis Smith Jr. looks like a player so far. He really looks good. And a lot of teams are really going to scratch their head and wonder why they passed. Mainly the New York Knicks, because Frankie Nalikina hasn't played yet this season, and I don't know when he's going to be back to play. But the Mavericks, it's Dirk Nowitzki, it's it's his farewell tour this season, or this season or next season is going to be his last. But I really like Dennis Smith Jr. as a piece for them. New Orleans Noel also. I think that combination between Noel and Dennis Smith could really be formidable this year. Wesley Matthews, not bad. He's a solid player that they have. But I think really the Mavs are going to try and push for that eighth seed, but I don't see them really getting anywhere near it as the teams like the Nuggets and Grizzlies and Timberwolves have really like closed that gap there. So, moving up to the number nine seed from last season, who got 40 wins, is the Denver Nuggets. And a lot of people are picking them as almost a dark horse this season because they got Paul Millsap and they also have Nikola Jokic. But the Nuggets' problem really lies in their ball handler. They just waived Jameer Nelson, who is assumed to be their starting point guard, to sign Richard Jefferson. And now it looks like it's going to be Emmanuel Moutier. Or Jamal Murray bringing the ball up, and I really don't like either of those guys handling the ball as a primary ball handler. As an off-ball players, I like both of them, but you can't run your entire offense through Nikola Jokic and have Jokic bring up the ball all the time. That's just not going to work. So I think the Nuggets really need to find someone that's going to be a solid primary ball handler that's not going to lose them the ball, and that's going to be good at distributing to the shooters that they do have because they do have a lot of shooters. And they have a really talented team and a really deep team, but they're really just missing that one ball handler. And a team that has two very good ball handlers is the Trailblazers. They've got Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. I really like Yusup Nurkic on that team. And I really, going into the season, your, Nurkic is their key player. If he doesn't play well and he plays like he did with the Nuggets, they're going to be in a whole heap of trouble this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think just the other teams around them, the Nuggets and the Mavericks, are really going to push them out. But overall, what Terry Stotts has done with that team is really good. And now with John Collins coming in as another big man, I think they're really built for the future, and I think they're going to be a very good team to watch for as Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum continue to improve year after year. For the Memphis Grizzlies, I really didn't expect much out of them this year. They had a really interesting offseason. They lost Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, and the grit-and-grind era seems to have come to an end. And it really seemed—it also—Memphis is now Lawrence 2.0. They have Ben McLemore, they have Wayne Selden, and they also have Mario Chalmers. I love having three Jayhawks on one team, but in general, the quality— that the Grizzlies have showed so far this season has actually been really surprising. They started out 3-0. I don't believe they played last night, so they're still 3-0. and And Mike Connolly and Marcus Saul are two very good players. They could be an all-stars if they were in the East. And I think they're, they are two players that if you have them on your team, you're going to make the playoffs. And you can fill in Mario Chalmers and Wayne Seldon and all the players around them, and they'll be able to make that 7th or 8th seed, I think. The Thunder were the sixth seed last year at 47 wins, with Russell Westbrook really taking over the NBA. And this season, I think they're going to climb all the way up to that three spot because of Paul George and Hoodie Mello. I think that Carmelo Anthony is really going to try and move towards the Olympic self that he has and really that potential that he shows when it comes to distributing the ball to Westbrook and Paul George. And so far, the other night against the Timberwolves, he had a go-ahead three that would have really won the game if it weren't for Andrew Wiggins having that clutch gene. And I really think the Thunder, as a team, have a very good starting five. But as soon as you get to that bench, there's really not much there that is really desirable. But they can always have at least one all-star on the court at all times, which is really good. And they can even have two on at all times if they really want to rest Rest Westbrook and then have Mello and Paul George and then bring Westbrook back in. Rest Melo, have George play basically the first quarter, and you can. There's a way you can work it out. I, I can't do it off the cuff here, but I could figure out a way to work that out. I think they're going to be the three seed. I think they're better than the Spurs. I think they're better than the Clippers. Better than the Jazz. And personally, I'm the most scared of the Thunder. Even though Houston beat Golden State on the first game of the season. They don't really scare me. James Harden is very good and Chris Paul I think is going to be a good addition for them but he's also a liability against the Warriors especially because he has such a hatred for them because the Warriors really stopped that Clippers team from making their progression to go to the finals and because it's too easy to make that transition I'm going to go right into the Clippers and we'll come back to the Jazz in a second. The Clippers lost Chris Paul and I really like the additions that they got from the Houston Rockets, it's Pat Beverly and a bunch of other bench guys, really. And I think this Clippers team, if they run the offense through Blake Griffin and the guy from Europe whose name also escapes me now, of course, they can be a really solid team. I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. Now, if Blake Griffin got injured and misses a lot of time, that team may not be that good. They also have Gallinari, who they got from Denver through free agency. And I really think this team has the biggest variance. If they can all stay healthy and they all play to their like their expectations, this team could stay in the four, five, six range. But if they get hurt and Pat Beverly misses time, Gallinari misses time, and Blake Griffin misses time, this team could be bottom of the Western Conference. That's just how much variance they have. And I think the Utah Jazz are a team that are a lot like the Clippers in that they have a lot of variants and that the Jazz could easily be a six, seven, eight seed. But they also could end up at that 9, 10, 11. It all depends on the development of Donovan Mitchell, how well Ricky Rubio plays. If you really look at this team, okay, they lost Gordon Hayward, but they replace him with Donovan Mitchell. Okay, that's not a great like-for-like comparison, but that means that Rodney Hood... Joe Ingles, Iso Joe Johnson, those three players are going to get more playing time, and if they can produce as efficiently as they do in the minutes that they had last year with more minutes this year, this team could have a little bit of a Ewing theory where losing Gordon Hayward actually makes them better because it makes the entirety of the team that much better they still have Rudy Gobert, who I think is an incredible center, easily one of the top three centers in the, in the league. And I think that that team could sneak into that 7-8 seed if they can all stay healthy and really stay focused and play well together. For the Rockets, I think they're going to be the 2 seed in the West this season. Chris Paul is going to miss two, three weeks, which isn't the end of the world. The Rockets are a very deep team, and they showed it last year with Aaron Gordon and Lou Williams off the bench. Now they lost Lou Williams, but they still have Eric Gordon, who I really like. And he looks in the first game of the season, in these first couple games, he's looked like he's very athletic and almost like he's gotten a lot faster and a lot more confident in his play. And I really think that if they can give Eric Gordon a lot more time, will Chris Paul is out and get him groomed and ready for more of a playoff push as the season goes on, the Rockets could be a very dangerous team. I think their weakness really does still rely on their defense. I don't think they have that defensive stopper. They have Luke Bamute, who's a very good defensive player, but he's you're not going to want to play him for ample amounts of time because he is such a non-factor on the offensive end. And I think the Rockets are going to get to the conference finals and they'll lose to the Warriors. and I really wonder what they'll do with Chris Paul over the summer depending on how he plays this season. If he plays well, they'll re-sign him, they'll give him a contract. But I would not give Chris Paul a five-year deal. I would give him a two- to four-year deal, not five. Four is even pushing it, honestly. A two- to three-year deal is what you want to look for because Chris Paul really is on the other side of 30 right now, and he looks like he's on his way down production-wise. And as for the Spurs... I really don't know what to expect from them this season. If Kawhi Leonard misses more than 30 games this season, that Spurs team goes from a playoff, a top five contender to a bottom five where they're 7, 8, 9 seed because that's how important Kawhi is for that team and they really don't have much defense, athleticism, at any other position. DeJounte Murray's looked really good so far as a backup to Tony Parker. They still have Danny Green. LaMarcus Aldridge has also looked very good. But again, they're not that athletic without Kawhi Leonard. And in this day and age, you need athleticism at least four of the five positions. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't give you much athleticism. And really, Tony Parker doesn't either. And Pau Gasol doesn't either. So really, Kawhi Leonard is the key for the Spurs. And if he can stay healthy, I think the Spurs are going to be that four seed and that's going to bring us to the Warriors. I don't need to talk about much about the Warriors. They are that good of a team. I'm not freaking out. They're 1-2 right now. Or maybe they're 2-2 two two now. Yeah, they're 2-2 two two now. And I'm not freaking out with two losses. People thought they were going to... You hear like people like Bill Simmons talking about how the Warriors could win 75 games. That's just unrealistic. Their season a couple years ago was unprecedented. There was a lot of revenge that they had, and you saw what happened. They ran out of gas in the finals, and they've learned their lesson from that, and I think that they're really going to focus on just make sure they get the one seed, which I think this year, 65 wins could get you the one seed, and I think that once they get the one seed, they'll coast. Same thing through the first and second rounds of the playoff, then the conference finals, boom, it's game time, and I think the Warriors will win again this year, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, and I really – They're a must-watch team. Any chance you get, go watch them. Jordan Bell is an incredible rookie. He's not going to win Rookie of the Year. He's not going to get any sort of recognition, but I think he's a solid player that they added from the 32nd pick that they bought from the Chicago Bulls. So, just to recap, the Warriors are going to come in first place. Then the Rockets, Thunder, Spurs, and Timberwolves will round out the top five. The Clippers, Jazz, and Nuggets are going to round out the rest of the playoff teams. And the teams that will be in the lottery will be the Grizzlies at number nine, then Trailblazers, Pelicans, Kings as 10, 11, 12. And the bottom three are the Mavs, the Lakers, and the Suns. I'm so excited for this season. And throughout this season, we'll be talking about what's going on in the NBA, what I think is going to happen. And also, we're going to get into some college basketball in the coming weeks. If you like what you heard from me, you can find me on Twitter at mswain 97 Please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Those have helped a lot. And please also subscribe if you're on iTunes. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for all music used in the making of this podcast.